introducing a man who was a bigger long shot than Rich Strike. He, from stealing cars and closing bars, he defied the odds to make a name for himself in the Baltimore sports market. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. I'm hoping that we've gotten through all the... I was almost, I literally almost used the F word right there. Like It almost came out. I'm so sick of the weather. Uh, I'm hoping that it might actually be spring for a little while, which would be really nice. It's a season I happen to enjoy a bit. I'm terrified that we're going to get one week of spring before we go into the devil's taint. I'm very concerned that we will get this week where I am told I'm to understand. Actually, that's not even true. I'm to understand that like it'll be nice during the middle of the week, and then I think if I saw correctly, it's going to rain again next weekend. So why the F not? <sighs> and then I'm terrified that coming out of that, we will immediately go to just unrelenting ass sweat. That's what I think is going to happen. It sucks. This weekend sucked. Not like I, mean, I had a lovely weekend, but the weather sucked. Sick of it, man. Rita went off yesterday. She stole my bit. I was waiting for her to yell out, what the F with the weather, man? Um, hi, Glenn Clark Radio. I think I mentioned that. Uh, I'm Glenn. He's Paul. You sound like me at the beginning of every bat around I talk it's, about the it's weather. Nice. It's nice. Well, it's the, the, the problem is it's the one – this is the real reason why we do this. It's the one thing that everyone can rally around because everybody's dealing with the same thing except for like John and Little Rock and Paul and Ovi Land or the folks that live in other places. We're all dealing with the same thing. And even those folks, the people that are from here, know what we're dealing with. It sucks. And this weekend sucked. It just rained all weekend. And then yesterday, even when it stopped raining, it was unpleasant. It's just not pleasant. Don't much care for it. So hopefully that'll change, but I got a bad feeling it won't. Here's what's coming up. Uh, on the program today, we are going to talk to the uh, trainer of the Kentucky Derby winner, Rich Strike, Eric Reed, who I had heard of never. I had never heard of him until Sunday. And in fact, when I, or sorry, Saturday, when I woke up on Saturday, I was unaware that there had been a change to the Kentucky Derby field. And I certainly don't, didn't think it mattered. I will promise you that. I had no concern that the change to the Kentucky Derby field would matter. And as uh, we were watching, I had, uh, I had gone in on Zandon. So I was very disappointed because it looked like Epicenter was going to hold off Zandon down the stretch. And all of a sudden, here comes this. I don't, my wife was the first to say, hey, who's that other horse? Who's that? And I was like, I don't know. But then you see that there's the two in the front, and there's only one horse whose number was in the 20s. So you're like, what? No. We happened to be in an establishment as we were getting ready to go see Doctor Strange. And so there were a group of folks sitting next to us that had also put some bets in on the race, and they too were confused by who, who this horse might be that was making a move. And so I was the first to bark out, yo, that's the 80 to 1 shot. And they all look at me like, what? And we all, you know, like, this is, it's not just that nobody bet on the horse. It's that if you bet on the horse, you're insane. You either have a problem and need to seek help, or you need to stop betting immediately because you will never hit on anything luckier in your entire life. It will never occur. 
You will convince yourself that you know something about betting. You do not. It's the luckiest thing that you've ever had happen to you. We'll talk to Eric Reed about it. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a horse that's figured something out. And the word is that uh, the plan is, I, I'm going to guess the plan wasn't to come to Preakness with a rich strike in two weeks. But it appears as though that plan has changed. And I get that. We will talk to him all about it. Scheduled uh, to be joined by Daniel Lele. We are uh, seeing there's some scheduling things going on there. But hopefully... That will happen as scheduled this morning, and of course it's Monday, so Jeremy Kahn will check in with us as always. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Make an active difference in your community and join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. They only got to play two so far this weekend. The third will happen this afternoon. So I don't know if he's even going to be able to fill out the whole two minutes. Why don't we just do one? You just think you got one? That's yeah. all you really got in you? Yeah. Uh, there, there were only two games, and they were yeah. yesterday. Well, I mean, no, I could no, talk I, about you're, you're, how much the weather problem. sucks for a minute. Yeah, all right. So our one-minute man, Paul Valley, to tell us about the Orioles. Okay. All right. All right, so the Orioles got washed out on Friday and Saturday, as did everything else you may have had planned this weekend, except for the Kentucky Derby. Now, on Sunday, they played two, and in the first game, uh, Ruth Nedodor comes up and gets a two-run bloop double down the, left, down the left field line. That seems to be the only hits he gets these days are bloop doubles. And he, uh, he goes out there, and he makes an error in the bottom half of the inning that would have been the third out of the inning. Instead, two runs end up scoring, and the Orioles end up dropping a game 6-4. to four. Me and a lot of other people may be done with Ruth Nedodor. He's on pace for about 30 errors this year. We were told his defense was phenomenal, and it doesn't look so to, uh, to start the season. Now they go out in the second game, and it was a complete it was a complete game played by the entire team. Uh, Mullins, another couple of hits. Austin Hayes reached base nine consecutive times. If you go back to Thursday, Ryan Mountcastle tearing the cover off the ball. Um, Mountcastle robbed of a home run by the new left field wall, missed a uh, game-tying two-run homer by inches there in the fifth inning. Team's hitting a little bit better, and the pitching is still great. So, uh, that was a recap. That wasn't trying to tell me that something mattered. That well, was just it, a recap. What, what what mattered is that they keep I mean, they, they keep playing Ruth Neto Door because they don't have... You, you, you just don't like Ruth Neto Door. We, we've, got, we've understood that, Paul. I promise you, I know your feelings about Ruth Neto Door. I promise you. Is a, a a pimple on the ass of mattering. It just doesn't. Like it, you have again, you have to be invested in every game to give a rat's ass about Rudnado. I should have done anyway because I was going to get to yeah. why it mattered. Why, why Rudnado door matters? No, why why the games mattered? Oh, okay. In, well, what's your, why general. do you think they mattered? Well, because you got you got more good starting pitching again. You had. Um, Jordan Lyles, who people were upset about. He was coming in here with a 5.15 ERA from last year. Hadn't had a ton of success in his major league career. But in September of last year, he stopped throwing the four-seam fastball as much. So going back, I believe it's the splitter he started throwing more. And he ended up getting, his last five starts, I think he had a 2.70 ERA in September. And that's transferred over so far this year. The ERA is in the low fours right now because he had a couple of bad starts. But he's doing what I expected him to do, which is two out of every three starts, he goes out there and he gives his team a chance to win, which is... You know, better than what we can say about Orioles pitching recently, and Bruce Zimmerman proven that he is this staff ace. And, and that, and that's the different conversation. So there's two different conversations there. Jordan Lyles, like, only matters because if you squint, you try to convince yourself that like maybe you could get a low level prospect for him if he continues to pitch well. That's the only way in which Jordan Lyles matters, right? Because he's not here. Mm-hmm. He's 
He's here for a year. So Jordan Lyles can only be helpful if he well, can... an option for next year. That's... that's Even if you try to convince yourself... They're going to trade him. Right? Like, even if you try to go that route. They need him to pitch about as well as he possibly can mm-hmm. to hope to be able to trade him. Now, in the belief that you think that maybe next year the Orioles could somehow be competitive Mm -hmm. and you're still going to need an innings eater even on a competitive team oh okay i'll i'll listen to the argument you gotta really squint and hope for the best um and you gotta hope that this is jordan lyles and hope that it can continue for another year and there is way too much hope there for me to think that any of that matters right now that matters by the time we get the next season what he's doing right now only matters in the context of do you believe that you could do something with him to trade him at the deadline and get something. And as we always talk about pitching, unlike when we talk about trading a Trey Mancini and you can't get anything for Trey Mancini, any pitcher you can always get something for. Now, be fair and reasonable about what that something is. Even if Jordan Lyles continues to pitch well, that something is minimal. But it's something, because Mm -hmm. pitching can always get you something. There is always a team that needs a pitcher that just happens to be pitching well in the moment by the time we get to July. That team always exists. So if Jordan Lyles can keep pitching well and through, through to July, then... You never know. But it's the best way that you could try to convince yourself that it matters. Because the reality is it probably doesn't. It's it's It only matters, again, if you care about the games night in and night out. And it's pleasant to you that Jordan Lyles is pitching well. But mm-hmm. big picture, does it matter? Only in the context if he can keep pitching well enough to at least fetch something come the deadline. The secondary part, of course, being the Bruce Zimmerman conversation. And really the Austin Hayes. Because those are the two that you can convince yourself continue to matter. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that, as far as a big picture is concerned, this season, one, about the guys that get here, we appear to be a week away from the the, the first, well, I mean, if you want to say Bradish was the first meaningful one, that's fine, but he wasn't. Um, he's in the next group. The first meaningful one is going to arrive next week. We are in a place where the secondary part of it is who, as I keep saying, who wasn't in column A that could maybe move themselves into column A. And Austin Hayes and Bruce Zimmerman are the two guys in the early going, and we remind ourselves we're a month into the season. Those are the two that so far are moving themselves towards column A. Will they stay there? What's that? Jesus column A. Sure, they're moving towards column A. Yes, Jesus column A, exactly right. Is he available? Um... (laughs) And, and we have to be fair about that, right? It's a month. It's for Bruce Zimmerman, a, 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 a small number of starts. For Austin Hayes, it's, it's a month of baseball, and plenty of guys have hit the ball for a month during the course of their career that weren't actually baseball players. So we do have to be fair about it. But again, looking, trying to, to, to slice up what actually matters from what this team is doing, these are the types of things that can actually matter if they continue. It could very well be that we view Austin Hayes in a different way by the time we get to July, by the time we get to September, than we did going into this season. He is obviously hitting extraordinarily well. There is much to like about what Austin Hayes is doing to this part of the year. the defense has been fantastic. The defense has been excellent, no question about that. But... Small sample size. And he kind of gives us a month like this every year. 
It does moment. feel as though there are, there have been plenty of times where we've said to ourselves, man, Austin Hayes might be a thing, mm-hmm. and it just hasn't been sustained, which doesn't mean it can't be sustained. It might very well be that Austin Hayes has turned a corner, and he has figured out that he is a major league baseball player, mm-hmm. and he is a professional hitter, and he's you know he's never, obviously never going to be a 30-home run guy. Or he I say might. obviously. That's not – you're right. It's unfair. He's not likely to be a 30-home run guy. And when I say that, it means that anybody can be a 30-home run guy once. I mean someone whose career is that he's a 30-home run guy. Right. Plenty of players have run their way into a 30-home run season at some point. I'm talking about someone who's consistently a power guy. Austin Hayes, his profile is that at best he can be a professional hitter. Someone who is a good piece to have on a baseball team that complements your power hitters, who also happens to have the ability to run into some power. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And and the good thing about... But it's the high end for Austin Hayes. And the good thing about Hayes is that the... It's been, if you go back to last year, two months in a row that he's put up good numbers. If you go back to last September when he hit eight home runs, he yeah. hit about 286. I mean, and then, that's, and then it's, this a, it's month, a stretch to make it seem like it's two months in a it, row. It, I, I know stretch, what you're but, saying. But, but the point there is that maybe he took the confidence that he gained maybe, last September maybe. and it's carried over to this year. And he's healthy last year by this time. He had, he had right. both hamstrings and been on the, on the injured list. So it's, it's better than the alternative. Now, moving to the pitching side of things, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Not saying it's going to happen, but on Thursday in St. Louis, the Orioles have an opening in their rotation, and Grayson Rodriguez will be on normal rest. He's gone up over 85 pitches, each of his over 80 pitches, his last two starts. It would make zero sense. It would make zero sense. Zero to have his first start be in St. Louis. It would would be, in fact, it would be insane. Like, it it would be such a bad business idea that. I, I can't even continue. Well, he's still like, going to start against the Yankees the next series in Baltimore. The, but you don't. Someone's. You only get somebody's first start once. Mm-hmm. You only get to do that one time. Oh, I don't think it's going to happen. But I'm just saying. It, there's. The, he's on normal rest. I, I. I'm saying if it's something they're even considering, they're nuts. Mm-hmm. There is not. If you were trying to win, if you were in the throes of a pennant race, right, and you needed someone to start, you can make a decision like that. Mm-hmm. You can say, hey. The hell with it. So their first start is on the road. Who cares? We got to try to win. That's not what this team is. Right. This team is not that. Throwing away first career start for Grayson Rodriguez for a road game in St. Louis is an insane business decision from an organization. I get it. That's like bat as to the that if it even comes up in conversation, I'm staring down everybody in the room and saying, "Are you absolutely out of your mind?" It's where, like, literally Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde could both be in agreement, hey, it's who we need to start on this day, and somebody else within the organization needs to say, I don't think you guys understand how this works. <laughs> no. It's, that's, that's not the way we do this. It's fair, The and first it's start for Grayson Rodriguez will be in Baltimore, whenever it is. Um, no, is, is the, the sort of the short end of it. Now, again... I don't know anything. Am I saying it's impossible? Of course it's not impossible. There are plenty of weird decisions that have been made over and over and over again uh, over the years. There are things that can be done, but making Grayson Rodriguez's first start be on the road, I bat s like just bat s nuts for an organization that's not competing to do. Again, I would feel very different about this if we were talking about a really good baseball team in the middle of... If their record was different. 
and if the there was Flip. genuine belief that they could be something, yeah, I, I it would still be very early in the year to do something like that, even for a good baseball team. But there would at least be an argument for it. Hey, we need somebody to pitch. This is our best option to pitch. Let's throw them out there. Mm. This is insane. This is this is spiting yourself. Th- this is. This is what bad organizations do. And I and I know that somebody would say, no, isn't it the opposite? Like, isn't it just making the best baseball decision? No, the best baseball decision is irrelevant right now because you're not good. I don't know how to say it. The baseball decisions are secondary at the moment. At the moment. Hopefully that changes. I mean, I have, I, I have great hope that that changes sometime in the future. But in the moment, you can't prioritize baseball over making good organizational decisions. And for the health of this franchise, they need to create another date where people are excited to come to the ballpark. And yes, there will always be Grayson Rodriguez's first home start, but there is so much more anticipation for their first for a player's first game overall. That happens at home. And it's also it, it walks hand in hand. Grayson Rodriguez is more important than an Orioles game in St. Louis this week. Grayson Rodriguez on the whole, whatever your plan was for Grayson Rodriguez, you don't alter that because you need a pitcher on a certain date. You can do that with other guys. You can alter someone's plan based on when you need a pitcher. Mm -hmm. You don't do that with Grayson Rodriguez. You don't do that with someone that is literally critical to this thing working out. You can do that with Kyle Bradish. You can do that with secondary options. You can do that at some point with a Drew Rom, if you'd like. Thought of, you know, talented pitcher. But you can't make that type of decision with Grayson Rodriguez. Now, you might say, well, what if it happened to work out that this was about the time? Then that's a different conversation altogether. But you never alter the plan for this type of player based on your needs. The plan for this type of player is more important than what your needs are, again, unless you're a, a competitive team that's, that's threatening to win something of significance. Short of that, you, you, know, you don't do something. You continue to stay on track and on plan with whatever it is that you are going to do with Grayson Rodriguez, and you do not alter that based on what's going on at the major league level. Zimmerman, of course, is the other guy that we talked about. And, yes, those are the two. Those are the two right now. The, the two guys that are most tracking as guys that are perhaps changing their reality. Perhaps. We're a ways away from it. We are. This is the. What happens. And it's very similar with uh, the NFL. We have the evidence that we have to a certain portion in the season. So we react strongly to the evidence that we have. We don't like to talk about how little evidence it really is because we're reacting to 100% of the season that's been played. We're just really reacting to 17%, 16%, more like 15% of the season as a whole. It just happens to be 100% of what's been played. It's 100% of the evidence that we have. So it's very difficult to apply the context of how little evidence it is of a whole baseball season. And we do this all the time in football as well. Like three, four games into a season, we start making strong statements because it's all the evidence that we have. Um, you know, I hope that those are guys that are that are rewriting their reality 
I hope that's the case. I That's all I can continue to say. So far, so good. It would be nice to have another couple of guys move into that column and have two more pieces of what we think will ultimately be the relevant Baltimore Orioles figured out. I hope that's the case. But I don't know that as of right now. These are just the things that we have. And, I, you know, in the same way, I don't know that we've had anybody that we think has fallen out of column A. I guess John Means, unfortunately, by default, fell out of column A. Because there's just not, not going to be really any way for us to go into next season assuming that John Means is definitely still the ace, front-of-the-rotation guy because we'll have seen so little of him that and he's coming off such a significant injury that he's going to have to reprove that. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be the commodity for this organization in the offseason to consider dealing him. That I, I guess you could say John Means, by default, has fallen out of column A. I don't think he's fallen far. I think it's totally possible he could put himself back in column A. But I keep thinking of Hazel's column now every time you say it. You You're son welcome. of a bitch. You son of a bitch. God. Um... And look, I think that at the moment you would say that that Ryan Mountcastle is trending well again to to proving that he's still part of column A in some as a bat, obviously, as a bat. He is still trending well in that department. He's not um he definitely appears to be a guy that's that's because power we think is such a critical part of what Ryan Mountcastle has to offer, he I think it's pretty clear has been impacted by the wall. Like we saw that obviously front and center yesterday. Oh, I, I expect him to have a monster series in St. Louis. Temperature is supposed to be in the nineties the entire series. Mm-hmm. A little bit shorter of a wall. I'm expecting some bombs. Temperature supposed to be in the nineties. Mm-hmm. St. Louis is not. This is a weird bit. St. Louis is not in Texas. What the hell is going on there? Well, it's it's mid May and uh, in the nineties. Yeah. That's the Midwest. That's not a. That's a very weird. It's very strange that that's the case. Again, it goes back to my theory that we're going to get through this and we're going to go right into Satan's taint. I am just, I'm 100% convinced of it. I I bet St. Louis was like 40 degrees one day and all of a sudden now it's 90. Never get to have anything nice in the world. Never get to enjoy yourself. It's the way that it works. Um, But yeah, Ryan Mountcastle, I think, is trending that he is backing up and and proving that he can be that guy. But the power thing you know, is is a critical part of why we think Ryan Mountcastle is so valuable, and that does appear to be at least impacted by the movement of the wall. That doesn't mean that Ryan Mountcastle hasn't uh, offered other things. How many doubles does Ryan Mountcastle have? Like five. Okay. I mean, then he's on pace to go well over, you know, in the neighborhood of 30 doubles. That's good. You know, you take that. Be very happy with that. I, it's not as good as having all those home runs. It'd be nice to have, you know, 40 home runs, but you'll take you'll take that from Ryan Mountcastle. They'll play one more this afternoon, Orioles and Royals. In, uh, as they, we knew we knew on Friday it just wasn't going to be the way that you wanted it to be. There was not going to be the uh, the traditional three game series this weekend. I also, admittedly, had no idea. I thought that one of the rules they had revisited was going back to seven-inning doubleheaders. So I, like yesterday, when when they got the um, the two-run double, I literally thought it was a walk-off. Because I wasn't, I was doing the show, like I was only watching out of the corner of my eye. So I look up and I'm like, hey, they're, they're trying to rally. They're trying to put something together here. Hey, hey, hey. 
Hey, hey, hey. And then I'm like, wait, why is there another batter coming to the plate? Why? The game's the game's over. They won four to th- The hell? I honest to God. And I think it was also impacted by the fact that Bowie played a seven inning doubleheader yesterday. And so I had seen that their game had gone final and they had thrown a quote unquote no hitter in the uh, seven innings. And so I was like, right, because seven inning doubleheaders. Yeah, that's what we're dealing with. And then the game didn't end in the seventh inning, and I was incredibly confused, terribly confused. As I said earlier in the year, I think we had this conversation with Dan Connolly. I don't need seven-inning doubleheaders, and it is a little bit weird that certain games we played under different rules, but I did like Dan's argument for the making sure that it's always single-admission doubleheaders. So what I would say is if baseball can kind of get together and agree that all doubleheaders be single-admission, then I'm good. Let's go. Let's have nine inning doubleheaders if that's the case. But if we're going back to split admission doubleheaders that are nine innings, then I'm I'm out. Make them seven innings again. Go back to that. Go back to that. I, I still always want it to be nine inning doubleheaders, but I think it should be single admission. I I just I'll never uh, I hmm, I'm trying to figure out which is more valuable. Um, I I because I agree. What I agree to is that the, like there just shouldn't be different rules for different games. All all games should, but they, we already do, and that's the point that I made a couple of times. We already have different rules for different games. We can allow a game to end after five innings. We've arbitrarily decided that it's okay for some games to be five innings long, but not okay for other games to be seven innings long. And that's a weird bit, and it's why when this was first announced, everybody was screaming and losing their minds about it. I couldn't join them. Well, this isn't new. We've already decided this. If if you're okay with the fact that games can end due to weather after six innings, then you can't yell and scream and lose your mind about the idea of a seven-inning doubleheader. We've already established that it's okay for games to not go nine innings. That precedent has existed for some time. So maybe in your heart of hearts you say, well, I don't like that either. Okay, then say that. Then, then stand up and say it's wrong. But baseball has already decided it's okay for not every game to be nine innings. And so if that's the case... I can't lose my mind about seven-inning doubleheaders. And I do agree that the value of, with Dan Connolly, the value of making sure that they're single-admission doubleheaders, if, if, if those are our choices, split-admission, nine-inning doubleheaders, single-admission, seven-inning doubleheaders, I'm probably going to default back to the single-admission thing. I'm, I'm probably going to say I value that over you know, keeping every game nine innings because, again, we already have rules in place that games don't have to be nine innings. In fact, they can literally be four-and-a-half innings. We have had four-and-a-half-inning Major League Baseball games. So, you know, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm not losing my mind over it. I think Kevin Gossman threw a one-hitter or no-hitter through a four-and-a-half-inning game against the Yankees one time. and got. You might be right about that. I don't remember off the top of my head. You might very well be correct about that. As far as the rest of the weekend is concerned, um, spent a lot of time with hoops. No, I don't want to talk about the Phoenix Suns. Thank you very much. Um, although I, the Chris Paul thing yesterday, I need to know more about that. Like when the wording is that like this fan put their hands on Chris Hall, Paul's family, what does that mean? I need to know that. Like, I feel like there's been a lot of weird ambiguity that's about that that's sort of left there. Because if like these Mavericks fans were like hitting Chris Paul's families, they should be arrested. They shouldn't be banned. They should be arrested. We we use that that terminology, and I just need to know what it meant. They put their hands on them. I mean, like I've in big crowds, I've touched people before. You know, like I'm damn Glenn. Exactly the way that you think. Exactly the way that you think. Like as you're going to your seat, you might accident. You know, like you you might 
it's, you know, it puts your hand on somebody's shoulder or something mm-hmm. like that. I just need to know what that is to understand what my reaction to it. I saw the video with Chris Paul. I think he actually, like, there are people that are like, oh, he's trying to fight with a kid. One, this kid is not a kid. This kid, if, if he's a kid, he's just barely under 18. And two, in no ways was Chris Paul attempting to fight with him. He literally said, I see you. That's it. That's the entirety of what he said was, I see you. It's a nothing beyond a nothing beyond a nothing beyond a nothing. I just would like to know what you mean by they they put their hands on them. Because there's a lot of different stuff in there. And if that means they shove them or they push them or something like that that does not constitute what we think of as a strike, as a punch or something, then that's... That's different. That's not okay. I would use that terminology exactly, that Chris Paul's family was being shoved around in the crowd. Because if that's the case, that's a huge problem, and the NBA has to step up and do something about it. The environments for NBA playoff games are wild, Jack. The environment for baseball playoff games is wild, but you're so separated from the action that that wild environment very rarely impacts what's going on on the field. I mean, obviously there was the thing in Atlanta all those years ago where everybody's throwing stuff on the field, but it's very rare that there's any sort of impact. In hockey, there's giant boards that separate. So as wild as those atmospheres are, and they are wild for hockey playoff games, there's giant plastic boards that separate the fans from the game that's going on except for the terrible instance the other night where like one of those boards came down in the penalty box and there was a, an official that was injured by it. It was just terrible. But in basketball, there's none of that. In basketball, this insane environment, this bat-ass-nuts playoff environment is literally right on top of the players. In fact, there are fans in between the bench... And the scorer's table. Because they figured out they could make more money if they sold those seats that were quite close and moved the benches more towards the sideline. Or sorry, more towards the baseline. It's it's not okay. Because you know how people get when they get into these insane... We remember there's something about... Even if you're sober, there's just something about these electric atmospheres and these charged feelings that you have that make your brain stop functioning correctly. So I don't know what the NBA does about that. I I don't have the answer. And I still don't fully know exactly what happened with Chris Paul's family yesterday. And it has nothing to do with why the Suns lost the basketball. I don't think. I don't think that's the case. I mean, I Chris Paul got six fouls, and you know a handful of them were pretty questionable, but that's basketball. That's the way that it works. But they got to figure something out about that because it is, there is no sport that is anything like basketball in terms of these people literally being right on top of you. Drunk, nuts, losing their mind in crazy atmospheres in this postseason. There's nothing quite like that. And what that can lead to apparently was, a, was quite ugly. Yesterday, I, I, don't, I don't know what the NBA does about that. I don't think there's a way to separate the players. and their. I just don't think that's possible. 
So I don't know how they go about handling it. I don't have those answers, but it's it's kind of terrifying. Um, these series got far more interesting than we thought they were going to be as of last Thursday. And all of a sudden, you have two 2-2 two, two series. Both the Suns and Mavericks tied at two apiece and the Heat and Sixers tied at two apiece. James Harden looked like a thing again, coming back from the dead last night and and making a huge impact for Philadelphia. That's fascinating. I, I don't I mean I don't know how that changes the series because I don't know if James Harden can do that every night. We we haven't seen him do it in a long time. So I I have no idea how to react to it. But I kind of like the Sixers coming into that series. They have Joel Embiid back. Now he's going to be pissed off because it's official. No, it's not official, but it was reported this morning that indeed Nikola Jokic will be named MVP this week. So you'll have kind of a pissed off Joel Embiid. Sets up to be pretty interesting. I actually think I'm starting to favor the Sixers in that series. They still have to prove they can win one in Miami. I get it, but they played the first two without Embiid in Miami. So I think on paper an Embiid Sixers team has a genuine chance of winning in Miami. The Suns Mavericks thing, again, I got to separate emotion from, from legitimate analysis. When you're a team whose success is entirely predicated on hitting an insane amount of three pointers, and that's what the Mavericks are, it definitely behooves you to be at home. It is far more difficult to do that specifically on the road against a team that's playing well than it is do it at home. You can do it for stretches, and I pointed that out in the first couple of games. There were still stretches where they were just knocking down shot after shot after shot, but to do it for the entirety of 48 minutes, it helps you to have the crowd behind you. It helps you dramatically for it to be comfortable shooting vision and what you're used to and where you've been shooting all season long. So I still think I give the Suns a bit of an edge in that series, even beyond my fandom, just you know, and from an analysis standpoint, because the Mavericks' success is so predicated on having to hit a bonkers numbers of threes during the course of a game in order for them to be able to win, and it's just harder to do that on the road, which doesn't mean they can't. Of course they can, but it's just harder to do that, and they're going to have to do it on the road. They can't win the series without winning a game on the road. So I think I would give the Suns a slight edge in that series, and honestly, they heat a slight edge in their series. The other two game fours are tonight. Um, you know, Obviously, Milwaukee getting a game on the road in Boston, they have the edge in that series, but that can go away quickly. Boston could win tonight. I just they also have the edge in that there's one Giannis, and I've said that a billion times. I don't need to say it again. And then the other one that now, unfortunately, like as exciting as it was, you know, kind of shaping up to be for the Warriors and Grizzlies. If the Grizzlies are going to be without John Morant, I know they played really well without him this season. It's just almost the Warriors are so insanely loaded and have so much to offer. It's just very difficult to fathom a scenario by which the Grizzlies can stay in that series without having John Morant on the floor. And we don't know how long they'd be without him. We just sort of know that at this point it doesn't look good for him to play tonight. So I don't I don't give them a ton of chance to hang in that series without John Morant. That's what's going on. There's other things that happened this weekend, like the the, uh, the announcement of the um, NCAA lacrosse tournament. Maryland, the only team on the men's side from the area that made it, is unfortunately Towson lost in the CAA final. UMBC lost in the America East final. Loyola lost in the Patriot League semifinals. Just a bummer of a weekend on the local lacrosse front. But 
Maryland's very good. Very, very good. There is the potential, by the way, for them to play Virginia in round two of the tournament, which would be wild. All right, hour number one of the program, also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. It's a great big fight atmosphere. <clears throat> Not thrilled about Canelo Alvarez losing. Kind of didn't go so well for your boy. It was real weird when I went to brunch for Mother's Day. Nobody, nobody there seemed to care about what I lost in the Canelo Alvarez fight. I was like, I tell you what, guys, maybe I, I get you next time because still, still, uh, is still struggling after last night. They didn't care about that whatsoever, which uh, was quite the bummer. Quite the bummer. But there's more great fights coming up, including Gervonta Davis back in action later on this month. Baltimore's own Tank Davis is going to be fighting Rolando Romero on May 28th, and you're going to want to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel for that fight. Email events at sportssocialmd.com right now to reserve your spot. 61 self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook. We will meet the Kentucky Derby-winning trainer of Rich Strike. Eric Reed joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. 
snacks. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Hey, coming up a little bit later on tonight, Stan the Fan, Ross Grimsley. They're going to have a great chat with Rick Dempsey. You can find that by going to Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. It'll be live there. And then if you miss it, you'll be able to uh, watch it tomorrow at PressBoxOnline.com slash video or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Again, tonight, Stan the Fan, Ross Grimsley, and Rick Dempsey talking baseball at 6 o'clock, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Make sure you're tuned in for that. Quickly, uh, from Dave. Dave says, do-do-do, um, Glenn, the conversation you guys are having about what matters and what doesn't matter for the Orioles is fascinating to me because I admittedly am someone who has not really been paying attention and probably won't be paying much more attention until we get to the point where Adley Rutschman is here. Sorry, I just lost it. There we go. I feel as though you guys were talking about that on the radio yesterday. We were. We were talking about that very concept on the day on the radio yesterday, Dave. Um, I feel as though you were talking about that on the concept on the radio yesterday, but I think that once Adley Rutschman gets here, I will probably find myself watching just about every other game, either until it appears as though he is a bust or until he's so good that I have to watch every game. Well, I don't think you're going to know. I mean, the other side of that is overwhelming. Until I have to watch every game. I think that's going to be the way it goes for me. Yeah, we were we were talking about that concept of how much it changes for the average person. They're the people like Paul that are they'll just watch it, you know, every game they can no matter what, no matter how bad a team is, no matter what's going on. They're just going to watch. That's that's what the way they are. And then there are other people that just you know, the team's not very good. Wake me up when they are. And I do think that Adley Rutschman's arrival will change some of that. Will drive more people to watch maybe not every night but a lot during the course of next week, the week that follows, the week after that, until the novelty of it wears off at least. If Adley Rutschman is that good, it might demand that you watch every game. I just think that there's going to be the, there's going to be a serious tick up in the interest of the average fan beginning next week. Boy, um, what a story this was on Saturday. This uh, this man was not going to have an entry in the Kentucky Derby, and he went from that to the second longest odds to ever win the Kentucky Derby. And now we're getting ready to have him and his horse, Rich Strike, come to Baltimore and host him and celebrate him and their team as they kind of go for the Preakness as well. It is a pleasure to welcome in. Now Kentucky Derby winning trainer, Eric Reed, who is with us here on GCR. Eric, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It is so great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations on a historic victory. Thank you very much. It couldn't be uh, any bigger honor than to be doing these interviews. Eric, I mean, has it sunk when – when you like the words Kentucky Derby winning trainer, like has this sunk in for you yet, or you still kind of riding on a high and, and almost no sleep from Saturday? Yeah, I have had four hours sleep. That came last night, and um, everything was just, uh, you know, it's been a blur, but I'm not sleepy. I'm still enjoying it. I'm on this big adrenaline rush, and 
I'm uh, I'm having the time of my life. I mean, I can only imagine. I can only imagine what this is like. Eric, um, can you take me through your personal history with Rich Strike? And at what point did you say to yourself, man, people don't see it, but we think this horse is pretty special. He, he's a special animal. Uh, he, he's had a storybook start. He was a, the first claimer to win the Kentucky Derby. He's the first also eligible to win the Kentucky Derby. You know, first horse claimed to go into the Derby. But anyway... He's just reaching his stride, and we knew a couple races ago uh, he ran against uh, a couple of horses that were, you know, they were already in the Derby. He uh, chased; he was chasing them down quick at the end of the race. He blew by them after the race, and what we've seen in the last couple of races, nobody sees because the camera doesn't show the after the race how much energy the horse had left, how hard he was still fighting to win. Rick always tells me he thinks he's won every race because he passes every horse before the, the middle of the turn. Hmm. And we, we knew when we got to Churchill the way he, he took to the track again because he'd already won by many on that track. And um, how he worked without company. I mean, he worked as fast or faster than anybody at the Derby without a horse making him do it and did it so easy. Um, we just had a feeling if it was for any other thing, if his running style was any different, we would have thought we were we were really going to win it. What kept us from being, um, you know, so overconfident and telling people stuff is we had to pass eighteen or nineteen horses and we knew it. Yeah, that's a tall tale. That's the John Wick impossible task, but he did it. Did Did you see it unfolding as you guys got into the final stretch? Did you Did you see the path opening up along the rail that you had a feeling it was coming, or or did, were you even still trepidatious about that? I saw him make. I saw that he'd gotten in contact with a big group of horses by the time they got to the second turn, and I thought, "Wow, you know, we're we're going to show up in here." And I lost him in the middle of the turn. I asked my friend Ken Tyson. I said, "I can't find him. Where is he?" And it's just approaching the quarter pole. And he says, "He just dropped to the inside. You're, I think you're fifth or sixth. And then I, I saw him, and I knew he was running. I mean, I could see he was coming. And uh, just before he, he caught Messier there about the eighth pole. Um, I, I grabbed my dad who was standing in front of me. I said, Dad, I think we're going to hit the board. I think we're going to hit the board. And he went by Messier so fast. Um, and the next thing I know, he's running up on the other two. And I didn't know who any of these horses were. I couldn't hear the call <laughs> of the race. I was I was in space. And then I remember hearing Ken Tyson holler, Oh, my God. <laughs> and he did it three times. And the last time he went, Oh, my God. <laughs> And that's when we took the lead, and I grabbed my father. I said, Daddy, we won the Derby. Uh, and I collapsed. I did not see him cross the finish line. So that's real. So I, I heard you reference that after the race. That's real. You really did collapse out of the sheer kind of magnitude of the moment. I just lost it. And when I went down, all my crazy buddies that were in the paddock with me watching the race, they thought it was like Super Bowl touchdown. They all jumped on me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, next thing I know, there's two guys pulling me up. You know, he's got a bad back. Let him up. And um, man, it was it was just it was just so unbelievable. And um, man, it, it, it's uh, I, I can relive it right now, just like like is there, and I still don't see him cross the finish line. Eric Reed is with us, Kentucky Derby winning trainer of Rich Strike, as he's getting ready to come here to Baltimore in the Preakness in two weeks. 
Um, Eric, you know, at this point in your career, had you kind of made peace with the idea that, like, hey, you know, I might never be a a, a trainer that wins an American Classic. I've I've had a good career. Had you had you kind of been all right with the idea that you would never maybe be a Kentucky Derby winner? Yeah, truthfully, I never. You know, everybody wants to win the Derby, okay? Right. But I never even bought a horse trying to make it a Derby horse. I just wanted to keep good horses in the bar from a class where we could make some money. Um, I never had anybody pump the kind of money in that it usually takes. And, um, you know, so I, I never even thought about running in the Derby. Uh, I always thought it'd be cool to do it, but I figured if I owned one myself, I'd sell it before it got there. I couldn't turn down the money it would be offered. And, um, you know, so I wanted to be in it, but I never thought I would. And when I got in there, uh, I had to get in such a hard way to get in that, um, that was the win for me, just getting in. Right. I thought we had done all we needed to do. Right. And, uh, um, you know, gosh, to hold the trophy at the end with my father who got me in this game and all the tragedies that we've been through for the last five or six years, uh, man, uh, God is good and, you know, dreams do come true. Eric, we've heard that a few times. You you had thought about, you know, just getting out of the game after some of the things you guys have been through the last few years? Yeah, we had a, a really bad barn fire and lost 23 horses from a lightning strike. I was going to quit then. And, uh, you know, I had some real high-profile trainers call me and offer me horses, clients. And they said, Eric, you fought too hard to get where you are. Don't go out this way. And then these people's kindness from all over the country, I didn't know, that brought me towels and blankets and feed and hay. And, um, you know, something said, you know, you're not supposed to go out or these people wouldn't be doing this. So I fought back, and then I lost two of my assistants a year ago within three months of cancer. They've been with me for 25 years. Um, my grandson was killed in a tragic injury at two years old. And, um, you know, I've had so many of my clients say, Eric, sooner or later, some good luck's coming your way. You know, just hang in there, man. I just can't believe what's going on. And, oh, my gosh, you know. Yeah, yeah, this oh is God. this is beyond good luck. I mean, this it certainly doesn't yeah. bring back anybody that you've lost, and I certainly I understand those things do not they, they pales in comparison. But I had their pictures in my pocket; they were with oh, me in the paddock. Oh, it's just so special, Eric. That is so special to hear. Um, there is nothing quite like being the Kentucky Derby winner coming to Baltimore. Can can I assume? that, you know, before the race began on Saturday, there was no thought that you were going to be bringing the horse to ball. Like, what, what, where, where was your mind, and at what point did you say, oh, my God, we got to start thinking about a race again in two weeks? Um, when we were doing the interviews, all I was thinking about, I, you know, I know you've got to do these things after race, and I'm I, Steve, Governor Bashir and his father, oh, my gosh, it was so nice to me, and it was an honor. But I'm not I'm not trying to put any of this down, but I'm telling you the only thing I wanted to do was get back to see my horse. Yeah. It's one you know, I didn't get to see him cool out in the test barn. I didn't get to see him walk back to the barn. I didn't get to see him get in his bath. And then I'm enjoying all this stuff that's going on, the press conference, sitting with my dad. I mean, all that was great, but in the back of my mind I was like, I gotta see Richie. I need to know how he came out. I wanna know he's tired of you so I know, you know, about the preakness. So, um, I just, uh, you know, I, I was I was more worried about finding my horse than I was doing all that stuff. But I, I enjoy every bit of what's going on. Do Do you feel like he can? You know, I, it's so hard to know, right? This is such a quick turnaround. This is why this is so difficult to do. Do you feel like Rich Strike is capable of turning around and running like this again in less than two weeks? 
I know he can turn around and run this race in two weeks. The the, the thing that's on our mind the most is we only have one Richie. You know, we don't have 10. Yep. We're not going to have clients send us 20 more that might be one. Um, we, uh, we've got to take care of him because he's the only one we have. And I know I can run back in the Preakness and I know it, this race is going to be fine for him. Uh, it's never done the two week turnaround, but he's, he's came out of this race. Fabulous. Our big question is if we do it, will we shoot, shoot ourselves in the foot for the Belmont? And, um, you know, we want to run the Preakness. We want to win the triple crown, but we have to remember whatever's best for Richie, and he'll tell me when he gets on the track in a couple of days now. Okay. I don't have a whole lot better idea where we are. So, so right now we're coming to Pimlico. Okay. The plan is to come to Pimlico. It's just it all is all about you know making sure that you're doing right by the horse. Absolutely. I think that's uh, it, it's the best thing that you could possibly say given the circumstances. Eric, um, as far as was did, did anybody in your party, anybody in your family, any of your friends happen? to hit a pretty exorbitant number by laying a little bit of money on those 80 to one odds. Like did you, did, was there somebody who was celebrating maybe almost exactly as much as you were? And you found out later it was because of what they win. Just had one, having some fun betting on the horse. I have two people sitting with me right now. One of them made over 80,000 after taxes. Oh another one made over 120 after taxes. <laughs> Holy crap. That's yes, uh that's a that's a nice little weekend, my friend. <laughs> yes, they, they, they did better than I did, probably. So. Yeah, right. But and you know, we love this horse going in, and these are my friends, and it didn't take a lot of money to to make that money. No, you know, they just had faith in him, and they bet some tries and wheeled him and did some things, and they made a lot of money. And then you know, before we let you go, as far as your reality, do you? Do you see, you know, have you started to hear from other owners? Have you started to hear from more people that want to send you a horse? Has this changed your trajectory moving forward as a trainer? Yeah, we've had some calls. And, you know, I've got a, a very nice training facility in Lexington that holds 100 horses. And uh, and um, I don't need uh, I don't need to pack up and, and send 20 horses to New York again. I've done that. I was in Stableton, Belmont, Stableton, yep. Santa Anita. And... I've got a, a great place and I can run right here with this purse man in Kentucky. He's getting great year round. Um, so I, I hope it does give us some better horses and, you know, we're, we're here, but no, I'm not going to pack up and, and start running satellite stables again like I did for 15 or 20 years. Uh, you know, this is from a listener, Chris, and I apologize. I promise I'll let you go. I know you're busy. What we saw from the horse afterwards, was that normal? Was that, you know, something that you had seen before, it obviously got a lot of attention in online and in that world, but what we saw from the horse after the race, should, was there any reason to be concerned about that? No, that horse is as kind of horse as there ever is, but I'm going to tell you what happened. In the John Battaglia stakes, he woke up, and he realized that he's not just a boxer. He turned into Mike Tyson. So he's <laughs> funny and jokey, but when you get in the ring, he doesn't want to punch you. He wants to kill you, and he ran every horse down in that race. And he had never had a pony try to pick him up. So when he's galloping out and he's eight or nine in front of the field, he's already passed them all. Here comes another horse in front of him. Yeah. And he thought he was supposed to outrun that horse. Got it. And then what happens is the rider goes up and grabs him to slow him down. And, you know, he's like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and that rider did nothing wrong. He got severely injured. His horse got severely injured. Um and his job is to make sure nothing happens to the Derby winner. And if he'd have thrown my rider climbing up on top of his horse and doing the things that he was doing, 
it could have been really bad. So um, I apologize to him. And Richie was great after he got him galloping. He got him back without any issues. Yeah. He put the roses on him without any issues. Um, he's he's a kind horse, but he has become when he walks in the ring now. He's he knows what he's doing. That's so funny. That is so funny. Eric Reed, we are so happy for you. We are uh, certainly hoping that everything comes out right this week. Um, there, it is a party unlike any other for the week for the Derby winner coming into Baltimore, man. We can't wait to see you here as long as, as long as the horse is up for it. Uh, congratulations. What an incredible moment it was watching your horse make that move and win the Kentucky Derby. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. I sure appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Eric Reed, the Kentucky Derby winning trainer of Rich Strike, joining us here on Glenn Clark Radio. You hope that that hand, obviously, you know, everything is, the, the Preakness is a completely different animal, no pun intended, when the Kentucky Derby winner is there and when, for whatever reason, the Kentucky Derby winner is not there and when there's been some controversy in the past that's complicated it, that's, you know, been problematic. So, you know, hope that uh, that plan holds up, that Rich Strike comes through. I'll, I actually really genuinely enjoy Eric Reed calling him Richie. I really kind of love that. Like, I just, I just enjoy that a great deal. I might go with Richard Strike. I heard a few people going with Dick Strike. That was, um, that was one I saw being passed around on the internet a bit. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was, it, as big events go, um, genuine shock, genuine surprise. I was on with Bruce Cunningham on Saturday, and we talked a lot about. Stan brought this up last week when we did one more thing that there was just not as much juice for this Kentucky Derby and there's a few reasons for that but the biggest being the Bob Baffert issue that was sort of looming over the Kentucky Derby where the biggest story related to the race was the guy that wasn't there and that's not good for a sport for a major event anything along those lines so to kind of create a new star and this this incredible story that's easy for the average person that doesn't give a rat's ass about horse racing to pick up on, like a 57-year-old trainer who had never been there and was the last horse to get into the field, was not in the field the day before, was an 80-to-1 shot and won the race. That's an easy thing for the average person that just happened to be at a bar and tuning in. And we were, as I said, I was at a bar on Saturday night, and it was a lot of interest, and people were yelling and screaming as this was unfolding. Um, It's an easy thing to generate some interest going into the next one. Like, that's the type of thing where the truth is, you know, this horse ain't going to be an 80 to 1. So it actually creates some, for some of these other horses, probably some money opportunities in the Preakness for for the better. But it, it generates so much additional interest for the average person as long as this horse runs in the Preakness that you say, could you imagine literally a horse that didn't wasn't in the Kentucky Derby 24 hours out? Not really 24 hours. It's more like 20. 8, 30, 30 hours, something like that, when they got the call. Um, could you imagine that horse winning the Preakness and having a shot to win the Triple Crown after starting as an 80-to-1 shot? Remember when mine that bird won as a 50-to-1 shot? Well, he lost to Rachel Alexandria in the Preakness. He finished second and was closing strong. Like, it was pretty clear that mine that bird was far better than the odds that the horse was given going into the Kentucky Derby, which doesn't guarantee anything for Rich Strike. I don't, I don't know. 
Um, you know, clearly the horse was definitely better than we thought it was a week ago. So, I mean, what a story. What an amazing moment. Just an, just sort of an awesome thing. So, Papa Cass, a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, gave um, her top five sports movies. Okay. And I couldn't remember if she said it was Seabiscuit or Secretariat. I believe Secretariat. she said Secretariat, I believe. And so, I ended up watching both of them on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> what? That's a weird bit. Yeah. Why you were trying to amp yourself up for horse racing? No, I just season? I was I was like, you know what? I, I got nothing else to watch. I've never okay. seen these movies, so I watched Sea Biscuit. I was like, this one. Did you finish bad. Ozark? No, my my wife won't let me. She was working. Oh, she was okay. working. All right. Um, we're, we're three episodes through. All right. But so I'm watching Sea Biscuit. I'm like, this movie's not that great. And I I watched Secretariat on Friday night, and it was a phenomenal it's, movie. It's a fun family. It's a it's a watered down like so the entire family can enjoy mm-hmm. it. But I. I have no problem with that with some sports movies because sometimes in sports movies you just want to root for somebody. You, right. you just want to live through, and that's all the sports movie needs to be. It doesn't need to to, to show somebody using cocaine in the corner or something like right. that, right? Like it's okay for it to be a more family friendly story, and the story is just and it's not even really overcoming because everybody knew Secretary was a hell of a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just watching a champion. It's just watching an underdog, whatever it is. I'm okay with that in a sports movie. I don't try to oversell it. I don't think it's one of the great motion pictures mm-hmm. ever made. But as far as a family film that anybody could watch and enjoy and take something from, it it works. Well, and I was watching, and I rather enjoyed it. I thought Diane Lane overacted a bit, but whatever. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. And then I'm watching the, the Kentucky Derby on Saturday, and I'm seeing Rich Strike uh, clothes on the inside. And I'm like, wow, he, he's like the same color as a secretary. And then he wins. And then I read about him, and I realized he had been bought about two thirds, about about nine months ago, for thirty thousand dollars after he won a race at Churchill Downs by seventeen lengths. And I'm like, not saying it's the next secretary, but I started getting those vibes, wow. those, those feelings, and it's something to get amped up about. Now, if he comes in fourth place or well, fifth no, I mean, place, I, the story is incredible. No matter what, it's the, you can't take any. This is one an all time great sports story. If you care at all about horse racing, mm-hmm. and that it's the tricky part, right? Like, you don't have to be... Very few people are horse racing fans. Mm-hmm. I care about horse racing for three days. And, and you know, every now and then mix in, like... I've, I've gone out and done Black Eyed Susan Day. I've certainly done Kentucky Oaks Day during the years where I covered the Derby. Um... You know, I've never been to the Acorn Stakes. I've never... I've, I've only ever been to the Belmont. I've never been to another day around the Belmont in New York. Um, and I, I would probably care more about the Breeders' Cup, except for the fact that it falls in the middle of football season, and I'm just—it's very difficult for you to get my attention on anything outside of football. In fact, my wife—I was thinking about taking because it's in Lexington this year, and we've been to Keeneland. It's beautiful, like it is gorgeous there, and you know, Lexington's just a really pretty part of the country. Um, so we were thinking about maybe making the trip. In fact, tickets went on sale this morning, and I meant to check. I'm probably boned as far as going to the Breeders' Cup. I would care more about the Breeders' Cup, except it just falls in the middle of football season. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just unfortunate the way that that works. Um, but man, if you care at all, and I for me, I'm a big event guy. Like big events, I'm all in for. Um, I don't care at all about golf remotely, but I'm watching the Masters because it's a big event. I get it. I don't I don't have the reverence for it that some of you do where you treat it like it's this you know larger than life the hollowed ground second coming of Jesus type of thing and you say stupid things like patrons and first nine second nine and you use terminology that's been passed down to you by these 
Anyway, true sorry, forest sorry. I mean, no, it's not him. It's I the know, people there. Like, but he's definitely one that would would say he would make fun of John Keller for saying football and then use this stupid terminology that they force you to use because of their ex. They are so exclusive at Augusta that like if you don't say that terminology, you're not allowed here. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's such a wretched thing. But I like big events. I'm in on big events. I care about the Olympics. I care about the World Cup. I care about... I will be all in on the UEFA Champions League final. Not the U... The, yes, I will be all in on the UEFA Champions League final. I love big events. And so... I, and the fact that, obviously, the Preakness is the single most important sporting event we have in this town. Period. Not comparable. There is not... Ravens game days are very important. Nothing economically moves the meter for our city as far as a single event is concerned, like the Preakness does. It, and it can't. I mean, it's insane. There's no other event where you can put in more than 100,000 people that come in from all over the world. It can't happen. There can be no comparison to that. There's few comparisons to that anywhere in sports. Very few that compare. So it's a big deal to us. So I'm in. I'm interested. It matters to me. And because it matters to me, I can give context to this in comparison to other things. You don't see anything like this. This is nuts. It's insanity. It would be like an amateur winning the Masters. It would be... I don't. I don't even know what the tennis like. Who could win the the Wimbledon? That would be anything similar to this. What about that guy, the nineteen year old just upset uh, Djokovic the other day? No, that guy is going to win the French Open. Okay. Like Carlos Alcaraz is the best player in the world right now. That I I I don't know who this would be. It, it's somebody that you've never heard of. Somebody. It would almost be someone that I've never heard of, and I'm a tennis sycophant. That's how crazy it would have to be to compare. Is it would have to be some player I've never heard of. That somehow qualified to get into the, 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 the you know, they, they run qualifiers for the U.S. Open. You somehow come through qualifying and you go on to win the U.S. Open and you defeat all. I, I don't know how to compare it. It's, it's insanity. And that's probably not fair because it was 80 to 1. I guess 80 to 1 would be more like um, an unseated player winning the, the Wimbledon and winning the U.S. Open. U.S. beating Russia, miracle on ice. It's, it's you know. Yeah, I mean it, it's a bigger upset than that. I mean it is like the U.S. was not an eighty to one underdog because it's in one game you can two teams can the second team it's really hard for your odds to be as low they as lost eighty to one. The first time to Russia like ten to one. I know. Though. Well, that was in an exhibition. Um, it, but it's very difficult in almost it, in almost any game there are only two teams that are competing. Mm-hmm. Eighty to one odds are extraordinarily difficult to yeah. find. Um. Like, even when a, a div, uh, like an Alabama plays an FCS football team, you wouldn't be getting eighty to one odds yeah. on that. Well, I'll tell you, after watching those two movies, this Kentucky Derby was, you're all in on the you're this, all this in Kentucky on Derby was like a perfect uh, Kentucky Derby for me because it, I, I, like I'm starting to realize the hearts of these horses and like like you just think before it's like oh this is just a big dumb animal doesn't know any better than oh, this. No, there's no, somebody no, want to no. smack in their butt with it there's definitely the competitive yeah. nature that they have and then watching this horse come and win with such a, as such a long shot 
it was so awesome, like just to, to see that after watching those two movies, you get a better understanding. You're all, I am all in. You're all in on that. I've never been to Preakness. That's going to change one day. You're all. You've never been to Preakness. I've never been to Preakness. Never gone. That's I'm usually weird. I'm usually working. That's, that's honestly. Weird. Well, I mean, I get that you're working. It's just weird that at no point you would have ever like you know. I've always wanted to go. You you would, but you would have planned around for different going. reasons. I've always that's wanted very, to go. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people want to go get drunk when they're mm-hmm. kids. That's the way that it goes. And then you get to a certain age and you like to go get the nice seats and put on a nice hat and the whole deal. That's how I feel now. My wife, we we have not gone. We we went every year, and then I started working for the AP doing Preakness, and that was a lot of work for me. So I kind of said, I don't, as much as I loved her, I was like, hey, it's almost too much for me to have you here. Um, so I, I, I we just kind of stopped. Also, I, a lot of times I had lacrosse going on at the same time, so it was tough. So it's been, we didn't, I mean, the last two in last year there was a very small crowd, and the year before that there was no crowd. So the last two years were off the table anyway. Um, I mean, I guess I could have gone, but I didn't really feel like being that guy that mm-hmm. that was was forcing my way into a very small crowd. Um, I think it's been three years since we've gone, but we went every year, and like as of Friday, we did not have plans to go this year. We just sort of were in a place where we were like, man, you know, we could go, but we don't need to. And then I swear to God, after the race, she looked at me and she's like, we're going. And I'm like, well, okay, what are we? She's like, we're going. We'll spend money on good tickets. I'm like, God damn it. She got all hot and bothered. She just something about watching this horse, despite the fact that she asked me to bet on three different horses. But we're sitting there before the race, and I had I had put in money on Zandon, and I had there were other horses that I liked. I liked his the bomb. I liked Crown Jewel. Crown Jewels, Crown Pride, Crown Jewels, the thing that WWE does, where they take the blood money from Saudi Arabia. Um, Sheesh, that's what it. That's yeah. what it is, bro. I, I am lying. Phil Mickelson will be there. Obviously. Yeah, correct. He'll be appearing at Crown Jewel. Um, but I, I like those horses, and I put some money in on them. And then I swear to God, as she's watching, and she does this all the time. She's watching the 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 post parade. She's watching them all, and she's just like that one. I'm like, well, you don't know anything about this horse. She's like, just looking at it. That one. So I got to bet on White Abario, and I got to bet on all these other. We had probably seven bets in. Zippy. Zippy. There's one, nothing, zero. There's nothing about 80 to one odds that makes you say, oh, I'll throw five bucks on that. Uh, that's exactly what my thought was on Tiz the Bomb at 40 to one. My thought on Tiz the Bomb was like, looking at Tiz the Bomb's record and what it, the horse had done, I said to myself, at 40 to one, it's worth having a couple of bucks in on that. And I'm going to say I put $2 in mm-hmm. at 40 to one. An 80 to one horse doesn't belong there. Like, there's just no world in which an 81 horse should even be in the Kentucky Derby. So, of course, of course that horse won. Of course that's the case. Of course I'm the idiot because I didn't bother to put any money in on it. I didn't. I li- Like, literally, all of the bets that I had, nothing that involved um, rich strike whatsoever. But that's okay. That's the way that it goes. And sure, that combined with betting Namahunas and Car- uh, Canelo Alvarez Made for a very bad Saturday night. It was not a pleasant Saturday night for your boy, but we got right back on the horse yesterday. Ah. Got right back on the. We got right back on the horse. What did I? What did I bet? I bet uh, Max Homa to win the golf, whatever the golf tournament was down in DC. He did that. Don't he know, hit a Homa. I don't know why I bet it. I just everybody was talking about Max Homa on Twitter, and I'm like, ah, I need to win something. Here's some money on Max Homa. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz came through for me again. That's that's the dude. He is the star of stars in the sport of tennis. And uh, I bet some other random things yesterday. I bet, oh, I bet the LA Kings against the Edmonton Oilers. That worked out quite well for me. I bet, 
I bet the, and I don't know why, but I bet the Diamondbacks against the Rockies yesterday. And that one came through for me as well. I had taken a couple of weeks off from, uh, I I had had a a couple things go wrong for me. Uh, Ukrainian ping pong turned for me at some point. It was going really well. And then at some point, the Ukrainian ping pong thing turned for me. And I I didn't have the grasp on it that I thought that I did. Was it when you hit the wrong guy because they they both had the same last Uh, name? Yiri and Yiri. Yeah, that was a struggle for me. By the way, are we doing the Steka Cup on, uh, on Friday when he's here? You're doing well. your thing on Thursday, right? You're doing the watermelon on Thursday. Oh, I thought I thought we were doing this at all. No, on not the same, same day. day. I want to do. I want to. It's a week of. Whenever punishment. you tell me to do it, I'll do. Thursday it, is your. You're doing Thursday. Steck is doing Friday. But I'll, we set, had, I'll set up a ping pong table. We had talked about tree. doing the Steck Cup after he paid his punishment on Friday. That we would post event because the kids are here on Friday. Oh, I didn't want to take them out for tacos though. Well, we can order some tacos here. And we can do the Stecka Cup. We'll have a with we'll the have Bridgerton a, clothes with the Bridgerton ball. Oh, that would be great! That would be a great day. If you guys want to come join us and hang out and celebrate, it's the the last day for uh, the interns on Friday. If you guys want to come hang out with us and play in the Stecka Cup, play some ping pong with us. Not real ping pong. I mean, conference table, the office level ping pong. Uh, message me at glennclarkradio@gmail.com or at glennclarkradio on Twitter. Um, I, you know what? I haven't tried the Old Bay vodka, and if somebody brought it in, I'd try it. I won't get drunk. You're not going to get that out of me, but I would try the Old Bay vodka if somebody brought it in on Friday. Just a, just a, just a sip, just a, just a t- for a second, just to see how it feels. You know what I'm talking about. We've all been there. I would give that a shot if somebody comes in for the uh, Steka Cup. Um, I am guessing that we are not going to be hearing for Daniel Fa'alele. What? Jeremy Kanye sent me a weird message, too. It could be a bloodbath of an hour. It could be a bloodbath. All right, uh, we got a lot of other things that we need to get to. We'll uh, try to figure out what's going on with the Daniel Fa'alele. And hopefully Jeremy Kahn's going to check in. This is the message you just sent me. I have no bars on my cell to call out. Not sure if I'm able to receive calls. I'm on my. I'm home on my Wi-Fi now. We're going to try. We'll give it a shot. We'll see. I I don't, I, don't, I don't know either. I don't know either. In fact, I guess we could also, there's also a way we could uh, pull him up on Zoom on there. Just have audio if that works. If he can do that on a, we could do that if okay. he needs to. Talk to Jeremy. Figure that out. <sighs> Some kind of Monday. Thanks to Eric Reed for joining us. He came through like a champ. The champ that he is. Kentucky Derby champion. Everybody else? Eh, dicey. Dicey day. Today's show also brought to you. By the print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all, PressboxOnline.com. Adley Rutschman is on the cover. Great story from Luke Jackson. Uh, diving deep on uh, where his passion for baseball comes from, his passion for catching comes from, and why it is that he's expected to not just be a, a player, but to be a leader on day one when he arrives in Baltimore. And, you know, I actually had a really neat conversation with his. We we were celebrating moms yesterday on 105.7 The Fans, so we had um, Lacey DaCosta on, and we had uh, Stephanie Reddy, our friend from TNT, on, and we had Adley's mom, Carol Rutschman, on, and she's awesome. Oh, my God, she's awesome. She told me a story that the first time it, she, she said, look, Adley is just so unique in being able to help others and and get the best out of them and she said to the point where the first time i ever beat my own dad playing golf was when i was pregnant with adley 
I was like, that's a, that's a story. That's a hell of a story. That's awesome. So great stuff about Adley Rutschman. All right, we'll come back in. Who knows? <laughs> it could be a complete wild card. I might dance. Who knows what's going to happen? It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stay tuned your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to glenn clark radio all right back in here on gcr today's show also brought to you by your local toyota dealer and by whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, all right, a couple of things I wanted to get to from from Joe. Joe says, uh, Glenn, have you had a chance to chat about Jarvis Landry yet? What do you make of the report the Ravens are interested Um, We talked about it on the radio show yesterday. We haven't talked about it on this show. 
I mean, the Ravens have a wide receiver need. So anybody that's available, they should be checking in with, and they should be doing their, you know, I think it was Josina Anderson who said due diligence on those wide receivers. They have a wide receiver need. I talked to you guys about this last week. Even if you're in the camp that says it's time to give these younger guys the opportunity to sink or swim, even if you're in that camp, like that's what you said when we played Would You Rather Wednesday last week, even if that's your belief, there's still a sheer numbers problem. There's four guys. There's it. There's four. And undrafted free agents. So even if you want this to be the moment where Prochet, Duvernay, Tylon Wallace get their opportunities, they still need to fill out a roster. And beyond, we have to be realistic, somebody's getting hurt. Probably more than one somebody. Knock on every piece of wood I can find, but we can't... We, we can't be naive about this. They have a numbers problem. Even if you think, you say, I don't want I don't want them giving the number two job to T.Y. Hilton. Fine, I hear you. I'd rather it be Devin Duvernay. I'd rather it be James Prochet. Fine, I hear you. But what about when one of those guys gets hurt? They have to add something, something to the group that they currently have. They don't have enough bodies that are actual NFL players. I mean, they have undrafted free agents. So do I think Jarvis Landry is the answer? Well, I don't know. I think he's the best of what's available. Do I think there's a limit to that price? And do I think that even the best of what's available was not very good a year ago? He had two, two receiving touchdowns last season. And he's certainly not a replacement for Hollywood Brown. But if there's a price where it can be worked out... He's of the group, the guy that I think is the most likely to be able to be helpful and to contribute because of his physical level of play. So that's my two cents on Jarvis Landry. The, the Ravens will be connected to just about any receiver that's out there because they have to add a receiver, at least one, of some sort. Doesn't mean it's going to be from the top group. It might be Geronimo Allison, who they had running around at camp this weekend. But they have to add something to the mix because they sure they just don't have enough bodies currently at wide receiver for a football team. Joining us now, we missed him last week, of course, from uh, 105.7 The Fan, The Big Bad Morning Show. You see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Sometimes he finds a way to sneak into my bed at night. He is my friend Jeremy Kahn, and he's with us now here on GCR. What's going on, pal? That's only when I'm ready to play tummy sticks. <laughs> and I always... So- you, by the way, you know what's yeah, weird? Why do I never get to win at Tummy Sticks? You always say it's your turn to win. I, I like to think we both win. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it was almost back-to-back weeks. I was sending you a message on yeah, Twitter. I, like, I was, by the way, the worst possible scenario, on hold with the company forever, trying to get refunded money. Finally get to the right person, phone drops completely. Mm, Bar's mm. gone. No idea how to get back in contact. Oh, no. Like, there's I have de- my cell phone. Yep. I hope they call me back. Nope, they nope, won't. They didn't. Nope, that's not so, happening. So now I'm screwed on that end of it. But I did, like, I thought something was going on because I, I read somewhere online about, like, a meteor shower that could knock out Wait, what? cell reception and this and that. And I thought I saw Gerard Butler, so I wasn't sure if that was happening. What the hell is but, going uh, on in the world? Wait a second. The, I don't know. The Edda anyway. Aquarine meteor shower of 2022 thrills stargazers in these stunning fun- Well, that doesn't tell me that the world is ending. That no, just says that it's I- pretty. Yeah, but I also, I mean, there was a chance I didn't pay my phone bill. There was also a chance that 
Um, like I had screwed something up on my end, but yeah, you know, I mean, you just you just never know uh, w- with me and and how things could work out. But um, I'm just glad everything is okay now. And I did because I've been through this before. I, I the method of hey, why don't I turn it off and turn it back on and see if that works, and it did. So I mean, I, engineers everywhere rejoice. Brilliance, the the sheer brilliance of just turning something off and turning it back on is really. By the way, Matt, maybe that'll sign. I don't know if I can get paid over at one hundred five seven because they keep telling me they're sending me a push notification so I can sign in, and I haven't gotten one of them. I have not oh, received you, one push notification. You have to download all these apps it's and stuff. So it's just it's, it's absurd. Insane. So. All right, buddy. A um, lot of stuff I want to get to with you. Let me start with this. Are the Warriors the team to beat now? Are they? Have they reestablished themselves as the team to beat in the NBA playoffs? I, I would say it's fair. I, I'm not like as sold as – I guess if you'd pick the favorite now, they've got to be up there with the fact that they have a lead in their series, and it sounds like John Morant's not going to give it a go. And in my opinion, I felt like they've kind of – you know, they've, they've handled them in the games that they've had to. Uh, all the other series – um, knotted up at two apiece, and then you get the Celtics Bucks that are two one. So, um, yeah, I, I would venture to say that with their experience and the fact that they're healthy or relatively healthy, that you'd have to assume that they're the favorites. That's where I'm coming around to the idea that it's it's not just the health; it's that they're just so damn loaded, man. Like, I, it's one thing that you know. I I think Giannis can be the great equalizer, and I I've said time and time again that there is always a chance that this playoffs just come down to the fact that there is one Giannis that's that's in this league and one team that on every possession can just give him the ball and say, go go figure it out, right? Yeah. But they are so insanely low. Clay Thompson's not even playing all that well, but you know there's a Clay Thompson game coming up. You just mm-hmm. know that, that on another night when Steph Curry's struggling, Jordan Poole's struggling, Clay Thompson's going to go 11 of 14 from beyond the arc and win a game all on his own because that always happens at this point. There's just so much there. I don't know how anyone ultimately well, wins four games in seven. Let, let me ask you this, though, because you're a Suns fan. Yes. I'm a Mavs fan. Yes. Um, and I keep saying that the Mavs – like, I've been saying the Mavs are a year away, uh, I think probably for the past three years, just fully expecting that they would go into one of these offseason and get a – um, a Robin to Luka Doncic's Batman, if right. you will, and, and like you, you don't that think that's Maxi thought... Kleba? You don't think no, he's that guy? No, I think we need a different German. Yeah. Um, I so no, I, I people thought it might be uh, Porzingis, and then that turns out that that wasn't the case. And even then, if he if they didn't have the issue with him getting um, what kicked out of the one game two years ago against the Clippers or back in the bubble, like Luka's just he's a different beast, the same way that that Giannis is, except. Luke is not as athletically, like freakishly gifted as he is, but he can shoot from anywhere on the floor, and he does make every single person on that team better. Um, in a game where the Warriors attack, or excuse me, the Warriors, the Suns attacked him fifty times in pick and rolls in Game Three, they still found a way to win that game. So, uh, and they scored on I think forty, I think forty-seven of those possessions, or some something ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so I, I just think that either one of those teams could beat the Warriors. It wouldn't shock me. But I, going back to your initial question, yeah, I, I'd see a, a perfect explanation for why that they should be the favorite. I, I'm in, a, I'm in a kind of a weird spot, right? With, um, with Dallas, and I said going into this series, I thought Dallas was way more of a threat to Phoenix than people were giving them credit for, just because mm-hmm. they can, they can hit so many shots. Like it's just nuts how many threes they can hit. The problem still comes down to me that they like they have. I'm not terrified i'm concerned i'm not terrified just because it is harder when your offense is predicated on having to hit that many threes 
to do yeah. it on the road than it is to do it at home. So if one hundred percent, if if like they had home court advantage, I'd be terrified. But because the Suns still get to go back home, and it's just harder to do that on the road than it is to do at home, I still feel fairly good. But I, you know, it's like a sixty forty thing to me. Like I don't feel great about it. They can't. If Chris Paul is going to get keep getting called for things that are absolutely not fouls, they're just him standing somewhere. Then they're going to be effed, right? Like they they yeah. just uh, one of the things I keep saying about the Suns for as good as they are, they are not deep. And the moment that it's campaign, that's the guy that the offense is going through, they are screwed because campaign is a guy that can give you a couple of minutes, but they don't. They are not a deep team. This was a team that was the favorites that. I, I always thought their record was a little bit beyond what their actual talent level was beyond their top three. Yeah, and and it's weird because Aiden, you know, the Mavs were one of the worst teams at defending big men in the league. Like that was, uh, if you played daily fantasy at, at any uh, capacity in the NBA, if you saw centers against the Rockets, the um, the Mavericks, I mean, there were a handful of teams. It's like you have to play them or the Charlotte Hornets so bad against centers for whatever reason. And you look at them being around the basket, having somebody plug the lane so they get more rebounds, and then they're obviously going to get easy buckets because the Mavs aren't great defensively on the inside. Ironically, on the perimeter, they're actually a pretty good defensive team, um, and they play team defense. So, I don't know. It's just been a fun series, and so is the Miami 76ers series, even though people kind of wrote them off I mean, after going down to I actually, I actually am giving the, the Sixers a slight edge at this point, right? Like, Yeah. I, I, Pressure reverts back to Miami and, now. And, and the two games they played in Miami were without Embiid. And I, again, I, it's hard for me to figure out if James Harden is actually going to be a player again because of what he did last night or not. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I thought the Sixers were a slightly better team coming into the series. They just didn't have Embiid for those first two games. You've got Embiid now on the floor. I don't. I, I don't. I really don't know how they aren't a favorite at this point to win a game on the road. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a, a lot, a lot closer. I didn't look at the spread for the Miami game yet. I just checked out today's games, yeah. in which, um, you know, I, I actually I like the Celtics a lot tonight to even up that series, and I think the Grizzlies. I like that game to go under, but I think the Grizzlies. Uh, kind of handle business, especially if there's no Jarrah in the Jarrah, Jaw, and then the point spread would tell me that they're they're expecting him not to be there. Oh, because... they're they're clearly expecting him not to be there. There's no yeah, doubt. So yeah, it's so ten. We'll see. By the way, the Heat are three point favorites back at yeah. home in Game Five. So and just to uh, to note, uh, I think seven and a half to eight point favorites. It may have even gone a little bit higher, maybe to eight and a half, uh, with no Embiid in Miami for the first two games. Right, correct. So it's it's a significant significant difference. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. that. Jeremy Kahn is with us, 105.7 The Fan. All right, um, I'm writing a column today at PressBoxOnline.com. That's sort of my, hey, we're a week out from Adley Rutschman getting here. And I'm in a weird place, dude, because I do think we are, there's a lot of danger about this fan base getting incredibly carried away with Adley Rutschman and setting almost unreasonable expectations. And this is where the Matt Wieters comparison comes back for me, Mm -hmm. too, where, like, Matt Wieters panned out as a player. He was a very good baseball player and is considered as a bust. And our expectations for Adley Rutschman are far beyond what they were for Matt Wieters, who panned out and succeeded as a baseball player, and yet we consider him as a bust. I, yeah, I am it, I am worried that we're setting this up that like all, there's almost no way that Adley Rutschman can be the player that 
that everyone wants him to be. I like I'm I'm worried that this fan base is almost setting this up for failure. Well, I brought that up before when everybody was calling uh you know, Matt Weeders, Jesus and Cleats and right. Mauer with power and all this other stuff and for people that you know, Joe Mauer was a perennial like batting title uh candidate. You know, he was always in the lead up at the bat in three thirty, was never a real big power guy. He had one power surge year and then people were saying, Well he's like Jason Veritek, but he should hit for a higher average and He'll have power, and I'm going, okay, so he's a really good – he's a defensive catcher. He's this. He can handle a pitching staff. He was really freaking good for a, a fairly long time, and as you said, people labeled him a bust because we expected him to be a guy that's going to come up and hit 40 bombs and bat 330, and that's that's a lot of expectations for a catcher. And then on top of it, outside of Salvador Perez, who plays almost every damn game behind the plate, um, you'd eventually have to think of where is Adley going to get moved so he can play every day because – in the first couple of years, you'll get the DH, yep. whatever, 20 games, and he'll play his, you know, whatever it is, 125, 130 catcher and uh, have some days off there But uh, when he first plays a full season. But I do think the expectations are really freaking high. From all things considered, though, and everybody I've talked to, and I've interviewed him once, um, that everybody says he has kind of a level head. But, you know, it's the same any athlete that's getting – expected to be the savior for a franchise, that's, that's an enormous that's amount insane. to put on your shoulders. The, 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 but the, literally what we're saying is he's got to be almost an amalgamation of Mike Piazza and Pudge Rodriguez yeah. in order for him to meet the expect. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about someone who's got to have Mike Piazza's bat and be the, the caliber of catcher that Pudge Rodriguez was or else we're going to be disappointed by it. And this is the weird part, Jim, and, I, and I'm, I'm giving away my column as I do every Monday here on GCR. <laughs> what, what I conflict that with is... I don't know what the Orioles are if he doesn't become that guy. Like, that's the, the crazy part about it. Is I'm not saying it's it's reasonable or it's a fair level of expectation to have or it's it's a way that we should judge Adley, Adley Rutschman, but I, I genuinely worry about whether or not this can work, and I don't mean work to, like, be competitive. I think they can find a way to be competitive, but I'm talking about to, to, to break through in the AL East and to become a World Series contender i don't know that there's enough here for them to do it unless adley rutschman does become that guy and those are really conflicting emotions well yeah and it's 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 incredibly difficult to sit here and ex- expect that because you know as you said it, it, no matter how good he ends up being um you know what what does that necessarily mean for the orioles because you got to hit on it like a singular player is not going to put you over the top. And the one thing I would tell people to do is go look at some of the best hitting prospects we've had uh, in the minor leagues that have been called up. Now, the one that I would point to that that's worked out, and I expect more from him, is Wander Franco down with the Tampa Bay Rays. But sure. you've got the Rodriguez kid in Seattle who, he's okay, but he's batting like seventh. I don't think he has the expectation. It's been a struggle that, for Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, Bobby Witt just got his first home run that someone proceeded to right, throw yeah, into the foul. Exactly but, uh, right. um, but, you know, like... You almost have to weather these expectations and just let it play out, see what type of adjustments he makes. Because even if he comes out and he's great, pitchers are going to make adjustments to him. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. We found a chick in the armor where it's like, oh, he doesn't hit breaking balls well. So what are they going to do? They're just going to throw him breaking ball after breaking ball. Where do you put him in the lineup to give him protection in the Orioles lineup? Are you going to bat him up high? Or are you going to bring him in with low expectations at the bottom where if I'm any other team, I'm not feeding him fastballs. I'm feeding the rest of the guys there. So it's it's not a 
Oh, that might have been the moment. That might have been the moment where Jeremy's phone went back to hell. You know oh, there he, there he. We lost you there for a second. I was afraid that uh, you were having a bar problem once again. You've had a few bar problems in your day, I've heard. You there? Jeremy, you there? Oh, that's sad. All right, <laughs> let's see if we can't figure that out. I don't know if we can figure that out or not because, again, I'm not sure uh, exactly what's going on. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, The Big Bad Morning Show. And, again, you see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Yeah, that's what my column's all about uh, today at PressBoxOnline.com. My column is all about – yeah, please. My column's all about um, this just kind of weird juxtaposition that we have um, with with – outlandish expectations. I mean, truly outrageous expectations that we have for Adley Rutschman versus the fact that for this to work, he kind of has to be that guy. Jeremy Kahn is back with us here in GCR. I, 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 sorry about I, that, Jeremy. I don't know. I got bad news, man. I said the most profound thing. I know. This is the moment we were waiting for, for all these years. <laughs> we were waiting for this it's moment. It's the aristocrats. Yeah. <laughs> What's the name of your act? <laughs> the aristocrats. God yeah, but, damn. you know, like to your point, too, it's, it, the expectations are going to be there. and Even if he's great, it probably won't be good enough for some, but. He's still a young player that you have to let cut his teeth and go through some of the growing pains that all young players do. Uh, I mean, yes, yes, correct. That um, There's going to be some of that, no doubt, and we are going to overreact to it, and we are going to panic. And, dude, I'm telling you, the other side of it is I really don't know. I really don't know if he doesn't become that guy if this can work out. And I, I hate putting all of that because it's, it's unfair. I hate putting all of that in, in one place, but I just don't know that I see – championship caliber roster mm-hmm. with everything else they've got. I think that they can be competitive if other guys pan. I mean, by the way, if Adley Rudgeman pans out, even at this insane, even if he really is the love child of Mike Piazza and Pudge Rodriguez, even if that's the case, that alone isn't enough. They still need other things to pan out in order to be, have a championship caliber roster. But without it, I, I think everything else could go right and you still don't have a championship caliber uh, you know, roster to be had. Yeah, if they don't have the pitching. I, I brought this up on, on the, the morning show that, look, I play a ton of daily fantasy, and it's weird just hearing some of these daily fantasy podcasts where they're going, hey, is Camden Yards now a, a pitcher's right. um, park? And which I, I don't think so. I think once it heats up, things will vastly change. But we've already seen, what was it, I, I think four times yesterday um, where you know the fences being moved back impacted what could have happened in the game, home runs that could have been hit. The fact that the balls are deadened or been put in a humidor, that's, that's had an effect. And, and it, the weather's been bad, but I think when it heats up, we're still going to see balls flying out of Camden Yards. It may not be at the record rate we've seen in years past, but I still think this ends up being a middle-of-the-pack, more in line of a hitter's ballpark than an actual pitcher's park. All right, let's talk about, so uh, Paul and I were just talking during the break, and I've, I'm telling you, I've already ordered some. Uh, they announced this morning the fine folks at Old Bay have collaborated with uh, uh, the Goldfish Company to release cool. Old Bay Goldfish this summer. Um, and it gets me back to a conversation that we have at Nauseam in Baltimore and, and, and outsiders like to bring up. I know Marlon Humphrey has been a regular in this conversation. Well, regularly, he has a ton of terrible food taste. Well, he's, yeah, I mean, he's dreadful in this department. But he one of his is he regularly likes to bring up the uh, we don't need to put Old Bay on everything. Tweet is is something mm-hmm. that you see from him and from plenty of others over the years. 
So give me the what is outrageous to you that people in this city put Old Bay on? What is something that, you know, you happen to admit like, no, I really do enjoy Old Bay on this thing that maybe the average human being and the rest of the world would never do? Where are you with the Old Bay on everything conversation? Well, I think I put all different types of seasoning on popcorn to see if I like it. I mean, Old Bay works on a lot of things. A hundred percent. You know, but... uh we need to acknowledge but, the Old Bay cheese curls, when yes. they came out, were the single greatest snack in the history of snack food. I never heard of them. Are you out of your mind? I never heard oh of them. Oh, my God. Oh, so oh, 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 oh. You're talking about the cheese puffs. When you say... Well, yeah, whatever you want to call them. Call them whatever you want yes, to call never, them. Never mind. The I've greatest had, snack that ever existed... Upon well, they were cheese curls from hers, right? right? The uh, yeah, because they did the uh, the silver. Like, they were my favorite potato chips when I was a kid. The silver bag hers uh, with uh, Old Bay in it, uh, as opposed to like the the Utz crab chips, which are really good. Nobody's I, I nobody's, like nobody's knocking Utz crab chips in any way. No. I I would never do that. They're they're a fine chip, but the release of the Old Bay cheese curl literally changed the game. It yeah. was one of the more defining moments in the history of snack food. I've never felt any I, like we would buy bags eight at a time because they would disappear that quickly if just a couple of people came over to our house at that point like a couple of people come over suddenly we would have four bags gone of old bay cheese curls because they were such a defining moment in snack food yeah but you know like the baltimore has been putting old bay on everything like we've had ice cream we've had I mean, what, just okay, so what do you think is over the top? What do you say? There's just this is not necessary. What are we doing? We're playing to a stereotype. This does not add anything. I think when you start get what well, it all depends if it works or not. Like some of the things I haven't tried. I didn't try Old Bay on watermelon. I didn't try. I didn't even try the mustard on watermelon. No, oh, Paul gets to try it. Paul gets to try it this Thursday. We're looking forward oh, to that. Cool. I heard that works though, like the salty and the sweet of it. But whatever. No, don't say that. Um, Tell him he's going to be miserable. That doesn't help anything. There's nothing that's going to make me think it's not going to be miserable. No, I heard it's good, but it just gives you uh, the runs for like. Four there we go. Days. That's what I need. Yeah. That's, that's what God. I need. That happens enough already. Try, yeah, try eating some bull testicles and see how you have the runs. I did see an interesting post the other day. It's like women wear thongs, and I have yet to see a thong that has any any other shade on it just yet. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe there's something in my future where I'll find that out, but. Like men, I think it's got to be like ninety percent of men that have stains in their underwear. Oh, 100%. For whatever I mean, the, I'm in the other ten percent. Yes, obviously, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're 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 doing just fine. No, no. Um, um, it's worth. Yeah, Ray Bachman used to find blood in his underpants most days, which was rather. That's why we always went camping together. I, you know, so he. I actually, I was at a wedding. He DJed my buddy's wedding. Oh, that's cool. Saturday, so it's fun love, to catch I up love, with. I love Ray. Um, but um, but no, like there's nothing. I don't okay, think there's anything that's too tell- outrageous. Okay, I'm telling try. you, I do think that the ice cream thing is outrageous. I think it's. Okay. I think that is a we're, we're doing it for the sake of doing it type of thing. I don't. I don't. And I'm not an ice cream eater, right? It's just not something that I consume in my life because I think I'm lactose intolerant. Um, yeah. But I there would never be an occasion where I would say I would choose the Old Bay ice cream over. Another ice cream. It exists for the sake of yeah. existing. In those instances, it's only like, can I try that? It's like when you go to right. um, uh, whatever any ice cream place, or if you go to a Rita, it's like, oh, can I try this flavor? Can I try that flavor? Yeah, like it's okay, but I would never order it. You know, like um, that's that's probably where it is with like Old Bay ice cream. But I, I mean, I'm down to try 
any type of mixtures. And, and, that's and I the, guess that's the new thing for ice cream is that they get into these savory flavors, right. like mac and cheese and yeah. all the weirdness. And, but again, they exist for the sake of existing. You're never, you're never going to walk into the ice cream parlor on a Tuesday and say, God, I just need that mac and cheese ice cream today. Like, they're yeah. just doing it for the hell of doing it. That's it. That's all it is. There's always going to be something that you want more. Whereas... Old Bay hot sauce is so effing good that I prefer it to other hot sauces now. I get that. I, I will go to my fridge, and I trust me, I got plenty of them, and I will look and I will say, nope, I still would rather have the Old Bay hot sauce because it's that good. And that's where it's a separation for me. I, there are things that I think we do that it's just, we're just doing this because we're trying to prove how Baltimore we are. We're just mm-hmm. doing this because we think it makes us like a Baltimore hipster. The ice cream one is the one that is at the top of my list. That is not like necessary. Old Bay on chocolate or yeah, anything. People will be like, hey, it actually works. Yeah, it works. But if you like chocolate, there's never going to be a time where you'd say, I'd rather have this than just a Hershey bar. It's not going to happen. <laughs> there's there's a big – I think there's a huge disparity between can something work or can it be better than you think it's going to be versus is it something you're going to want as anything more than a novelty. And there's nothing wrong with things existing for the sake of novelty, right? Somebody comes to town and you're like, hey, we put Old Bay on chocolate here. You can try it. And then somebody's like, oh, you guys eat that all the time? No. No, we don't. We absolutely <laughs> do. weird. Right. We don't do that. It just exists to exist. It is no more than a novelty. Whereas other things, like the cheese curls, like the hot sauce, are, are genuinely that good that I, I, I don't remember the last time I've had a regular cheese curl in my life. But I have. I think we should. I think we should up the ante and just start like combining some of these stereotypes, like people getting robbed in the city for their old bay. Ah, like that, ah, yeah, that's know, that's who we are. As a tie, tie two of them together. Yeah, I was saying. I thought you were going to suggest that we take a day and we just experiment with putting old bay on all sorts. Like that, we just have a a day where we do that. Where I mean, I'm I'm in. I'd be in too, actually, because I now that you brought up the watermelon thing, I actually think that could work. Like, yeah, like saying well, that out loud. When, when Paul's going to eat his watermelon and mustard. You want to come in on. Th- Paul's got to do it on Thursday. Paul's eating his watermelon and mu- a big old bowl of watermelon and mustard on Thursday. You want to you want to come in and we'll try to put some old bay on some watermelon. I you know what I might. I'll, I'll, what I'll do right. is I'll try to pop down. All right, and then I'll I'll try some watermelon and, and mustard too. Oh look at that, Paul! You miserable yeah. with Jeremy together, is buddy. It, is Ken coming in too? Ken said he would, but I don't know what his schedule is. You got to check with him. Okay, we got to check with him. We're also trying to do. Uh, so on on Friday, Andrew Steck is coming in and eating a tarantula and getting his back waxed. Would you have any interest? Oh, I think John Proctor. Would you want to uh, help uh, Andrew Stecka wax his back on Friday? I think I'd rather eat his back wax and <laughs> shave a tarantula. So um, I don't know if that really yeah, works out. I don't. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think that's the way it's gonna go. I don't think that's. So hold the on, case. Is this tar- where did you get a tarantula from? You can go to Amazon and just order an edible tarantula. This is a, a a straight shoot. This is a thing. Apparently, there are places in the world where people eat tarantulas. Oh, that hairier things in my mouth. I know so that's I true. To- I know <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> uh, on that note, what's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Uh, yeah, so obviously getting ready for the uh, the schedule release that's going to be coming out. We'll keep talking about all the strange things happening in sports, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and of course following the birds all along and waiting for Adley Rutschman. Yeah, I mean, look, out, next so. week shapes up to be a really big week, obviously. For mm-hmm. the record, I have already obtained my tickets for Monday. Like, I've already made sure that – and I, You think it's a lock? I, I think at this point, why wouldn't it be right? Like, mm-hmm. what, what, 
possible reason would there be for Adley Rutschman not to be playing on Monday in Baltimore? I would tell you to bring your samurai sword in case you run into Randy Jackson, too. Right. You're not, you're not, not, you're not get, that's get a great point. That's not going to happen. You're not wrong okay. about that. <laughs> <sighs> I love you, buddy. At JeremyCon1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. Picks every day, PressBoxOnline.com. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you next week. Sorry, right, man. I'll see you guys. Thanks, buddy. Are we, um, are we doing, um, like, is there, a, is there some sort of, like, tweet that everybody, or a hashtag that people are using for Adley? Like, are we doing Rutchmas, or is that too lame? Like, have we, have we seen anything for this? I haven't seen... This is your world. This is so not my world. I haven't seen anything. My wife came up with a hashtag back in 2019 after they drafted him that um, I never want to say, because I feel like they could make t-shirts out of it. What? Rutch hour. Rutch hour. But I, th- it doesn't sort of... For the first one, I think that can be constantly used. I... I think there's got to be a, a hashtag for his first game that's unique to his first game. I guess you could do it. It would work. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it wouldn't work. Rutch hour. See, like now, the rutch hour is upon us. Yeah. I just see my, my biggest fear is that I'm going to say it. I'm going to put it out there. It's going to catch on, and then somebody's going to make, I, I, I make money off. I don't of think it. there's that much money to be made in these circumstances. I think you drastically overestimate i swear to god look i will not defend the guy that owned the old radio station about much but i remember there being people that were like oh you only care about this because you can sell t-shirts there is no money in that none there is enough there is not a market for selling t-shirts like it just does not exist you have the the bulk that you have to sell of t-shirts in order for that business to be profitable Mm -hmm. is so overwhelming somebody's gonna do it i'm gonna be crippled you're not if somebody's doing it, it's because they're selling 70 other T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Like, who's uh, our buddy Dean Tejada does Thread Level Midnight, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is not, that is not big business in, in having a catchphrase or a T-shirt that you sell. I, you, I, you have to have 1,000 T-shirts available, and it's not big business. One year for, for her birthday, I had a T-shirt made, and it said, Rutch Hour, and it had a silhouette of Adley Rutchman's swing, which I thought was cool. It's cool. I, yeah. think, it's, I think it's neat. I just I think that's all it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I think you think you're overshooting the value of that. It's cool. I thought it's it was I'm cool. not I think it, again, nothing wrong with cool. I'm saying when you think that there's big money there or a big market for it, you're you're I mean like Tell that to Stussy or no fear. Uh they were they were major corporations, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> they were You have a very narrow scape or scope for where this would even hit. Like it's a very narrow narrow market. For the interest in this T-shirt, so I don't, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Fair enough. We got to uh, grab one more break. We're going to try to wrap up uh, relatively on time today because the Orioles are playing very early this afternoon. Today's show is also brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDRecruit.org. Glenn Clark Radio. 
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at press box sports the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here as we are winding down for a Monday edition of GCR. Orioles and Royals set to play the finale of what has been a kind of weird three-game series. Don't forget tomorrow, Simply the Bets is back. We will be helping you try to make some money. I know we're not that far away from uh, the PGA Championship. Obviously still on the throws, the NBA and NHL playoffs. Lots of chances for you to make some cash. Join us for Simply the Bets tomorrow morning, 1140 a.m., brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Tidbit of the Day is brought to you today by our friends at Glory Days Grill. The spring seasonal menu is available, and it is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Arugula. I can't do a Jim Rome, but I could try to do my Caliendo doing Jim Rome. It's the the best thing I've got for you. Um, love everything on the spring seasonal menu. The open of the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. <gasps> Just saying those words. The strawberry salmon salad. 
baseball cut sirloin. It's all available right now at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Get your order in by going to glorydaysgrill.com. All right. So with Adley, uh, Adley Rutschman, with Austin Hayes going five, four for four with a walk in his first game yesterday, and then starting the game one you for want one. To apologize to everybody about getting the uh, the thing wrong. You want to offer an apology? Well, about, Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah. yeah, he has Shameful. three. He has three. Doubles you said he had this five year. doubles. Not he only, five. He only he should has have three. five. Doubles. You should probably apologize to your family, to Ryan Mountcastle's family, to my wife, my mom, yeah. everybody listening around the world. I'm sorry a, that I was be a wrong. Deep drive to left field to make it a four nothing game. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So with um with Austin Hayes going five, four for four in the first game of the doubleheader yesterday with a walk. And then going one for one with a double and a walk to start his first two at bats of the second game, he had reached base going back to Thursday nine straight plate appearances, which is a ton, but not close. It's close, but not near the top of the Orioles' all-time record. Four players in Orioles history have reached base in eleven straight or more plate appearances. Say that one more time. So four Orioles yes. in franchise history, right. and only Orioles have reached base. In 11 consecutive plate appearances or more. Is it straight? I have no idea. So I'm just, they I'm they just posted this flat, during the game yesterday. I'm just flat guessing because I have no clue. Um, Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken did it 11 straight times. I, I had a picture of it and it didn't mm. save, unfortunately. Uh, he did 11 straight times. Edward Murray. No. Although one of these guys is a Hall of Famer. Well, Cal Ripken's a Hall of Famer. Right. Another one of these guys is a Hall of Famer, but not a Hall of Famer you'd probably okay. think of. It's not a Hall of Famer I'd probably think of. Not a Hall of Famer I'd probably think of. Vladimir Guerrero. No. Reggie Jackson. No. They are Hall of Famers. They are. Robbie Alomar. No. I mean, he had a stretch where... I mean, these guys are all... You know what? I'm not going to give you that hint because it'll... it'll Harold Baines. It. Harold Baines. Harold Baines did it a club record 13 times in a row, tied with one other guy who I don't think you're going to get. Oh, good. Well, that's that's always good to set it up that way. Uh, His last name rhymes with Blyer. Blyer. You're thinking of the L. There's not an L in his name, but the end of it rhymes with Blyer. So it's something Iyer. Dryer. Close. Dwyer. Jim Dwyer. Jim Dwyer, yeah. Did it 13 times in a row, and then one other guy. I actually thought Jim Dwyer's name was Jim Dryer. I'm not kidding. Oh, really? That's what happened there. I like di- I made him Dryer and not Dwyer. Um, the other guy, Manny Machado. No. Rafael Palmero. No. Adam Jones. More, way more recently. Way more recently. Chris Davis. No. Um, Jonathan Scope. Nope. J.J. Hardy, nope. Nick Markakis, nope. Brian Roberts. Even more recently. Even more recently. Trey Mancini. Close. R- Ryan Mountcastle. No, they, they all play with this man. They all, what? All play? Huh? Say that again. Um, R- Mountcastle and Mancini both play with this guy. Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins. Right. He did it last year 11 times in a row. I, I believe you. I don't have any recollection of it. I thought that it might be an easier one for you because they posted it on during I, the game yesterday, I, but you I don't was doing a, well, I was doing a radio show. I don't yeah, know if you remember. It was, was during, the, during the second game. Though, your radio well, I was show probably was on my way back from doing the radio show. Plus, the Suns played yesterday, so I was a little Fair. distracted by the uh, the Suns game when I got home. All right. Uh, not that I was. it was pleasant for me to be distracted. All right, very good. That's Tidbit Tubular. is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. 
Always the best place to be. You'll definitely want to be there for the Javante Davis-Romero fight later on this month. Email events at sportssocialmd.com to reserve your spot every night. Playoff action in the FanDuel Sportsbook with 61 self-service kiosks. So no matter what it is that you're betting on, if you are betting a Trinidadian soccer match that's being played, I don't even, I guess Trinidad would probably be about a similar time frame to us. So maybe let's say you're betting uh, Korean baseball and they're playing it at 3 in the morning. Does not matter. You can bet it. Self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise this evening. Busy day, obviously, Orioles and Royals. Just about set to get underway from Camden Yards on Masson, Carlos Hernandez, and Tyler Wells, the pitching matchup. Maryland baseball's got to wrap up their series at Rutgers at 1 o'clock on Big Ten Network Plus. MLB Network, Guardians, White Sox at 8. TBS, Panthers, Capitals, game four at seven as the Caps try to take a commanding 3-1 lead. The game is also on NBC Sports Washington. Also on TBS, Flame Stars, game four at 9.30. ESPN, Rangers, Penguins, game four at seven. Avalanche, Predators, game four at 9.30. TNT, Celtics, Bucks, game four at 7.30. Grizzlies, Warriors, game four at 10. The USA Network for WWE, Monday Night Raw at eight. We know what really matters tonight. Yeah, we, uh, we own the city at 9 o'clock on HBO. Better Call Saul at 9 o'clock on AMC. But also, Jessica Biel, who I haven't heard about for, heard from in a long time. Uh, she used to call me frequently. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah, she's going to be on Jimmy you Kimmel. Were, you guys are very close. Yeah, we were tight. Right. Um, she's going to be on Jimmy Kimmel Live at 11.35 tonight. Ahead of, uh, Is she still uh, married to uh, J- J- JT? I think that there's a divorce pending. I, oh, I, that's sad. I think I just heard about it recently. That's but, um, sad. She's going to be on there to promote her new show that premieres today on Hulu, uh, Candy. It's a limited series premiere. Not familiar. I'm not, I have no idea. I think idea. it's a docu-series. Like, it's a bio bio series or whatever. I'm not. I'm not seeing anything about a divorce. I could have sworn there's a split in there. I'm not seeing. Maybe that was just me hoping. Yeah, I, I think that might just be you hoping, my dude. Because he was my celebrity crush for quite a while. He was. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I certainly understand. Bo- both of them. Yeah. Little uh, little. <laughs> I don't see anything. I don't see anything at all. Little PT and J sandwich. I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I'd be down. I promise you I'd be down. If that was on the table, I would be all on board. All right, very good. Uh, thanks today to uh, Eric Reed. Thanks also to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get that up in the greatest hit section of the tabaclandclarkradio.com. Uh, do we have anything for tomorrow? No? Uh, not okay. just yet. Well, Patrick Stevens will join us. We'll go over the uh, lacrosse brackets. I think Maryland women's coach uh, Kathy Reese will join us tomorrow as well. All right. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley Third. Thanks to Ryan. Follow him at RexPexRyan. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Birds. Go Maryland Baseball. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. <laughs>